Welcome to Stories of Hope. I'm Christine Hotchkiss. Each week, I bring you stories of hope of individuals and organizations making a difference in your community. You see, I believe everyone has a story that is unique, just like our fingerprints that put us on the paths and the journeys of our lives and some fine purpose. Every story can help, heal, inspire, educate, And my biggest word of all is to give hope. It's such a small word, but it has such a powerful meaning. Today, we'll be talking to Debbie Lee. Debbie Lee is an author, public speaker, and CEO of America's Mighty Warriors. She travels the nation telling her son's amazing story and advocating and supporting our veterans, troops, their families, and gold star families. Debbie understands the sacrifice our troops make and that, quote unquote, freedom isn't free. Do we not know that one after what we just went through? On August 2nd, 2006, she received a knock on the door that would forever change her life. She was notified that her son, Mark Allen Lee, had been killed in action, becoming the first Navy SEAL killed in Iraq. Since that day, Debbie has dedicated her life to honoring our military and families of the fallen. Please help me welcome my guest today, Debbie Lee. Hello, Debbie. Hey, how are you doing? I am good. Um, We all have a heaviness when we hear about the loss of a loved one. And the recent, we'll call current events, has impacted and changed a lot of our views with coming up on the 20-year anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. Your son is one of those soldiers that was in that 20 years of fighting. Could you tell us a bit more about Mark before we get into all the questions I have for you? You bet. Um, Actually, on 9-11, all three of my children's lives were uh, involved in the military. My oldest son, Christopher, was serving in the Marines. My son-in-law, Christopher, yes, we've got double duplicate names there, uh, was in the Army. And my son, Mark Lee, was uh, a Navy SEAL. My brother was serving in the Air Force as well at the time. So I could see the handwriting on the wall. I knew that we were going to have a loved one just deployed. Um, I had no idea that we would end up having one of our family members give their life to defend us from that horrible attack on that day that took almost 3,000 lives from us. And I am so proud of each one of my children who served. Uh, Mark's story is a a very amazing story. It's um, been in movies, it's been in books. Um, He came into our life at a very difficult time for me. And so uh, it looked pretty hopeless. I was a single mom. I had uh, three small children. Well, actually I had two, I thought at the time. Um, I was 23, had a three and a half year old and 18 month old and found out two weeks after the divorce, Mark was born. Um, Their father didn't pay child support. He wasn't in their lives. There was literally no light at the end of the tunnel. And for me, I was just hoping I could get through life and that nobody would be an alcoholic. Nobody would be pregnant with three or four children by the time they're 18 and nobody would be shot in a drive-by shooting. And um, in spite of, you know, the struggles my kids went through, I ended up with three amazing children. And uh, as you said, Mark was the first Navy SEAL that we lost in Iraq, August 2nd, 2006. And um, amazing young man, the day that uh, he gave his life, it was 115, 120 degrees in Ramadi, Iraq. He had been fighting in an intense firefight for two hours. If you saw the movie American Sniper, um, they show part of that battle in there. Uh, Chris and Tay are the two main characters. Then the SEAL that's the next main character in the movie was supposed to be my son. Um, Didn't portray his personality, his character, heroic actions, literally threw him under the bus. I still think it's a great movie. 
that gives the average citizen a glimpse into what our troops have to endure overseas, the choices they need to make, uh, what their families go through and the importance of supporting them. But um, it had been a two hour gunfight in 115, 120 degrees. Mark carried anywhere from 150 to 180 pounds in addition to his own weight. How you do that in those extreme temperatures is beyond me. I've been to Iraq twice. I'm the first Gold Star mom in history to be in the combat zone. Actually went out on patrol. So I want to ask, fourth calf. I want to ask, I want to, for those listeners who do not know what a Gold Star mom is, please explain that. That would be helpful. And then you can go on. Yes. Um, a Gold Star mother or family member is the immediate family member, a loved one who gave themselves, um, sacrificed their lives in combat and not anything you ever choose to be. You don't put that on your list of aspirations. But um, I didn't know what a Gold Star family member was till I became one. And I think a lot of people don't know that, but very important to know. And um, if you ever see a flag, small flag hanging in a window that has a red edges around it and then a gold star in the middle, that tells you that they have lost a loved one uh, defending us and the freedoms we enjoy every day. But um, as I was um, sharing about Mark and that day that we were notified and I became a gold star mother, um, you know, we pieced together that story of that intense firefight. And there were four seals that were on the rooftop. Mark's buddy Ryan had been severely injured. The bullets had hit his weapon, so he had severe shrapnel injuries all over his head, and he quickly fell to the ground. Two of the SEALs dropped to their knees to help Ryan, and Mark could have made that very same choice. But his choice that day was to stand up in the line of fire right where Ryan had just got shot so he could lay down some cover so they could get the medic up to the roof. And the medic got up there, and he took one look at Ryan and said, we got to get him out of here immediately. So without, you know, weighing the pros and cons, saying, okay, who's going to stand up and provide cover now? Mark just knew it was the right thing to do. And he stood up again by himself to provide that cover. He had the big gun. He knew he could lay down some suppressive fire, but he was exposing himself right to where Ryan had just been shot. And the sniper that shot him probably still had eyes on them. And fortunately, they were able to get Ryan down off of the roof and evacuated him. And um, they all went back to the base, which I'm proud to tell you was named Camp Markley in his memory. And I got to visit there in 2007. And they, you know, I learned later, Chris Kyle told me they really thought that there was no way Ryan could have survived. They thought they were waiting for the phone call to tell him that he had died. And and he did survive. He survived for three more years. And uh, the chief came in and said, we just found 30 of the insurgents that just attacked us. And these guys had just been intense firefight. They were right next to a Marine base. They could have said, go get some of the Marines who are fresh and who haven't been out in battle. Mm-hmm. But that's not who our Navy SEALs are. And Mark mm-hmm. looked at his chief and he said, Roger that. Let's go get him. So they climbed back into their Bradleys and they headed back to that godforsaken place. They cleared several houses and they went in the last house Mark would be in. Cleared the bottom of the house and they started up the steps and they heard Mark yell, on me. And the guys knew what he was saying. He was saying, I got the lead on this. You guys follow me. And as they went up those steps, they drew fire through a window. And for the last and final time, Mark made that choice to turn into the line of fire. He didn't run from it. He didn't duck below the wall and wait for backup or let half his platoon take the casualties. He made the choice to give his life to save them. And I'm so proud of that young man. I miss him every day, but so proud of him. And um You know, I tell people I didn't have any choice, the news that was given to me on August 2nd, but I did have a choice how I responded. And my choice was to put on his boots, 
pick up his weapon and stay in the fight for every man and woman who serves, stay in the fight for every other family who's lost a loved one. As you said, what's happened in Afghanistan brings it to the surface even more. My heart hurts for every one of those 13 families who lost a loved one. We've reached out and we're making memorial bracelets to send to them um, to honor their You have had, you've got my heart um, racing. In my mind, I'm, I've never been to combat. I'm not, I'm not a a soldier in any way, just by movies. You've got this visual of what's going on as you're playing and playing and playing. And I'm going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Mm. And such intense emotions I'm feeling and anxiety and I don't get anxiety. And I'm like, they just rush in there because they're doing Mm. what they felt was the right thing to do, protecting yes. one another and why they were even there in the first place. Yes. So with that being said, um, we already know what just currently took place with Afghanistan and bringing people out. A lot of people would think that our veterans are the only ones who have PTSD. I, I want to say differently because you are the family. You just talked about putting your son's boots on, grabbing his, his gear and all of those things. How did this, and how does this, because it's still happening, how does this um, play a role in your life right now? Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously, figuratively, I'm saying I'm putting on his boots, I'm not firing bullets, you know, right. anybody, or am I comparing myself to what our men and women do, even though I have been in combat and been on patrol three times, that was nothing compared to what our troops do. Right. But it is a metaphor that you have to continue to fight for them. Um for rules of engagement to let them be successful. We fight to get them healthcare once they're out of the military. But when I heard about uh, what happened in Afghanistan, my heart hurt deeply knowing exactly what the process now was for those 13 families as the Keiko officers prepared themselves to go notify as they got the packets, as they read about the family, they learned where they're at, as they prepared their uniforms. And my heart ached for those Keiko officers. That's got to be a tough assignment to have to be able to do that. My heart hurt for all of our men and women who have served, who are now looking at the lack of leadership as we pulled out in a big failure in my book and are questioning why? What was their point? Was it ineffective for what they did? And so we have been talking, you know, to so many of our veterans who are struggling and we've, you know, sent out an email saying, this is not on you. You served nobly. You served honorably. You did the right thing. You made a difference over there. Um, This is because of the lack of leadership um, from our government and right. from the top senior officials. And right. don't let anyone, you know, I say this to the military, don't let anyone take that away from you. Don't pick up the lies, you know, from the enemy. What you did was noble and honorable and right and true. And thank you for that. But it, it, it's been so hard on the military community, what Absolutely. has happened. Well, and it's even affecting those of us who have not been in the military because we have seen this battle for 20 years, we're coming up on it in a couple of days. We've seen this battle and, and I feel like that we're still gonna continue some sort of battle. I don't wanna put any jinx on that, but we are definitely protected by our military uh, men and women that I want to say right now that if I never meet them, I want them to know that I appreciate all that they're doing, the sacrifices that they are doing. Uh, they're leaving their families or they, they enrolled because they wanted to do something that was protecting us and others. and. You talked about the 13 uh, soldiers that we just had um, a remembrance on. I think you and I talked about this. They weren't even born when this started 20 years ago. Yeah, because we 
we've been working on these bracelets, you know, then I've seen the birth date and the date of death, because that's one of the things we include on there. And one that we did the other day, I'm like, oh, my goodness, they weren't even alive on 9-11. Now, several of them were, but some of them were so young that they they don't, they didn't remember. You and I remember exactly where we were oh, yeah. on that day. Um, I don't think that's anything will ever be erased from, from our memory, but we won't ever forget those images that we saw. Now, um, I, wanted, I wanted to get into something before we run out of time, because I want to talk about what you have done um, in keeping his legacy alive and helping others. And you and I have spoken prior to this, so I want to reference to... Your son's last letter home, pass on the love, the kindness, the precious gift of human life. Tell us more about that. Yeah, I would encourage all of your listeners to go to our website at americasmightywarriors.org and read that amazing letter. Um, It wasn't the last letter that was the, if you're reading this letter, he didn't leave one of those. Um, This happened to be the last written communication we received from him. It was about two and a half weeks before he was killed. And he sent it by email to, I don't know, there's probably 12 or 13 close friends and family members that were on there, but so powerful and moving in that letter. And he talks about some of the things that he saw over there. Um, He talks about, and you just sense it when you read it, how his life was changed. But he talks about doing more random acts of kindness. He said, when's the last time you paid for a stranger's cup of coffee or meal, a tank of gas? This is one of the toughest warriors we have in America. And one of the most caring, kind, compassionate, selfless men as well. As well, And as you said, he ends that letter with, to my family and friends, do me a favor. Pass on the kindness, the love, the precious gift of human life. And man, if that's not a challenge for each one of us, that alone, if we all did that, would change our world. Oh, most definitely. And with that being said, your organization is America's Mighty Warriors. What is your mission statement or your mission? So our mission is to continue to support and honor our troops, our veterans, our Gold Star families, and provide programs that um, provide respite, resiliency, um, healing, and hope. And um, we have four main programs, our Helping Heroes Heal program, our veterans, combat veterans that have PTS, TBI, um, suicidal thoughts. We're paying for hyperbaric oxygen therapy hormone and vitamin therapy. So natural things that are actually healing their body. Um, So many of the things they're trying are just masking the symptoms. Our Gold Star program, we do retreats in Texas every year. We have a home in Arizona and one in uh, Florida where they can come stay for free. We do events all over the United States for our Gold Star families, whether it's a dinner, uh, Mother's Day event, Father's Day event, concerts. Right now, we're working with Maroon 5 and they're getting um, free tickets to those concerts. We also do a lot of advocacy and education. So if there's an injustice, we'll step in and try to make that right, whether it's our government, a corporation, um, whatever. And then Mark's random acts of kindness. We pass on we pass on the love and kindness by buying cups of coffee, meals, and tanks of gas. We go up to a $5,000 grant. That's a little more crisis situation. Um, you know, we just did one here locally in Arizona. Unfortunately, lost another veteran to suicide and uh, left behind a wife and three children. So we helped with the cleanup expenses and the funeral expenses on that. Um, And just a little way, you know, every time we do this, we're accepting Mark's challenge. We're keeping his memory alive. And to see the impact, it's been 15 years since we lost Mark, but he is still changing the world in a major way. Uh, I don't exaggerate when I say millions and millions of lives have been saved, changed by that kid. And um, 
to see the impact he's making. I know where he's at. He was redeployed to heaven and I will see him again one day. But until then, I have a mission and that's to continue to take care of those who do defend me and the freedoms I enjoy every day. And uh, it's my honor to do that in Mark's memory and to honor those who pay that price. It is definitely a price to pay. And there are um, a lot of soldiers out there that um, I don't think they realize that they put that uniform on and it's not a job, right? No, it is not a job. And it's not something that just taking the uniform off stops that mindset. I mean, we hear stories all the time of, you know, a soldier, sailor, an airman, that um, Marine, that somebody that stepped off, you know, and jumped onto the tracks and saved somebody or dived in a pool and, and they're not in uniform. That's just who they are. And that we have so many brave warriors, whether they're men or women, you know, that wear that uniform and that have that mindset. And like you, I want to tell every one of those, thank you. I love you and appreciate you. I will never, never take for granted who pays the price for my freedom. I find myself going out of my way, not just for our first responders in police, because they're under um, a lot right now, too, with all that we've been mm -hmm. through. But I, I find myself going to the military personnel when I see them in their uniforms saying, if you're not told today or you've not been told before, I want to say thank you for what you're doing. And it may not mean a lot, but it means everything to me. Especially for the voices that won't come and tell you, because people don't always want to just go up to a total stranger and tell yeah. them, hey, thank you for doing what you're doing and not really have a clear understanding of what they're doing. Right. Yes. You gave, you gave a descriptive what they're doing. And yeah. and, and it was a, um, a battlefield description. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. And, and we need to make sure that we do honor them and take care of them. You know, I feel like so many of our veterans, you know, we have, um, we as in our government, you know, trained them, equipped them, sent them off to war, and they come back home and it's like, bye, see ya, you know, we're done with you. And it's our responsibility as a nation to restore their health back to them as close as we can get it to who they were before, whether that's, you know, physically, emotionally, you know, spiritually, all of the above. Um, they pay a dear price, as do their families. Absolutely. The families are a part of that. They signed up, that individual signed up. That meant the whole family signed up too. That's why I asked you about the PTSD. You, you have got to have that same, I mean, it would go back to that combat moment that you just shared with us about your son. Someone else is going to, we've already know 13 of the families had to have that same thought in their minds and that visual, their lives have been changed. And now I consider it a new norm and a new norm is not always a healthy one, um, but what you're doing, and I'm sure there will something come about each of those soldiers' families to have seen a couple of them actually where they're leave, they're doing something that's the legacy of their, their mm -hmm. loved one as well. And I, I feel that that's what we're doing here. Um, if you truly understand and about life, a lot of people say, I don't know what the point is if there's always heartache and there's pain and there's this and there's that. Well, you just shared that you took something very devastating, very painful, and you turned it around so you can help other people not have to go through that pain. Or if they're going through the pain, they can say, me too. Thank you. Yeah. And I think for me, for sure, without that pain, I wouldn't have the passion, you know, or the perseverance to do what I do. Mm -hmm. it's because of that pain that I do what I do, you know? And as we deal with a lot of our veterans who are suicidal, uh, my second husband committed suicide 27 years ago. Again, that pain is what gives me the ability to work with them. And lots of times, you know, they have a lot of 
uh, love and respect for me knowing Mark's story and knowing the sacrifice he made and who he was. But lots of times as I'm speaking with them and they're like, you have no idea what I'm going through. And I'll say, you know, very kindly, you know, well, actually, you know, my husband committed suicide 27 years ago. And it's as if you can see the walls just come tumbling down and they will open up their heart and then just begin to pour it out to me because they realize I do understand. Again, if I hadn't walked through that, I there would still be a wall there. We still may be able to help them, but not to the extent that we are, not to the extent that we're saving lives because they realize somebody else cares about them. Somebody else understands what they're going through and somebody else is there to give them healing and give them hope. Absolutely giving them hope. That's why I have my stories of hope because we all could use a lot of it, even though it's a small word. It means so much. Um, Real quickly, what is your website again? Should someone want to know more about the program, get involved, do donations? Sure. The website is Americas, A-M-E-R-I-C-A-S, Mighty, M-I-G-H-T-Y, Warriors, W-A-R-R-I-O-R-S, at uh, gmail.com is our email or .org is the website. I want to add something real quick too, because people can't see you and they can't see us, but I can see you. You can see me. We both have our, our behind the scenes here of our loved ones and what, what keeps us comforted. Uh, I want to share, um, some people will say some of the darndest things, right? And I'm going to say darndest things because we don't always think before we open up our mouths, but we have good intentions. We'll leave it at that. Um, your office, give us a description of what no one can see but you and I that gives yes. you that comfort and that home about Mark. Yes. So um, our offices for America's Mighty Warriors um, are in the Heroes Hope home. I love your hope theme, uh, which is a place where Gold Star families can come stay for free. We take care of their airfare rental car, just a way to love on them and let them know we'll never forget their hero and we won't forget them. But we have a room in here, which is our office, that's called the Heroes Room. And um, behind me on the wall are all of Mark's uniforms. Um, There's other areas in the office where we have... And it's not the Mark Lee room. You know, my oldest son served. My son-in-law served. I got stuff from lots of heroes. Mark's teammates, Charlie Platoon on SEAL Team 3. Um, And there's things in here to honor our military and to remind us of that price that's paid. One of the walls is in the theme of a flag. It looks like the stripes of the flag waving on that wall. And um, again, just a way to recognize that we understand where our freedoms come from and who pays for that freedom. But um, I also have, Mark was trying out for the Colorado Rapids. So I have a framed, um, his uniform up there. He blew out his knee the night before tryouts, never actually got to try out, but they reached out to us and called us three years ago and said, we want to present you Mark's team jersey. So I have that hanging up there. Um, Those are those joyful things that remind us of who Mark was when he lived, how, you know, what sport he played, what he did. You know, I'm looking at you now and I see behind you on the wall, your daughter's uniform, you know, and that's how we keep their memories alive. And we would not want anyone else to understand why we do what we do to the level of they have to go through losing a child to understand that. And but. with that being said, I want let 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 people know it's not a shrine. I've heard that said before. These things existed before, but because life has changed, our perception of something looks like it needs to change too. And there's a couple of things I always tell people. Just because something different has happened to you does not mean you have to act differently, be treated differently, or live differently. 
Mm-hmm. And so, so these good. are not, these are, yeah, these, this is what I've learned in my journey and the people that I have interviewed many times um, with stories that I will, I will hope never to encounter in my personal life, but I respect their journeys as well. And so these things that people see when someone's passed away, they were probably always there. Um, we just didn't recognize them until now the person's no longer there. So you have it set up to where there's a theme for everybody because there's an appreciation, there is a respect, and that's the legacy your son has left. Like Mm -hmm. you're leaving a legacy that one day someone will speak about what you're doing, your organization, how you were helping someone. You may never even meet all the people that come in to get that assistance that you Mm -hmm. provide through your organization, but they're going to remember what it made them feel like, right? Yeah, and I don't need to. That's not why I do what I do. But just to know... You know, most of us, if we had one encounter where we changed somebody's life and made a major impact in their life, we'd be like, woohoo, I'm good. Mission accomplished. Right. But we get to experience that over and over every day. And I can't tell you how many of our veterans who've gone through our Helping Heroes Heal program that literally said, I wouldn't be alive today. You and your foundation saved my life. And I think of Mark's final actions, running into the line of fire to save his teammates. And the first time one of the veterans told me so strongly that way, I mean, he actually said, stop when we're talking on the phone and said, you saved my life. And when he said it that way, you know, again, I went back to Mark saving lives, his final actions. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, Mark is still saving his teammates lives. And um, I'm so proud of him and who he was. And um, I'm so proud of all of our military, I'm, you know proud of my son who served in the Marines, son-in-law in the Army, brother in the Air Force. I can do the hooah, hooah, hooah. <laughs> and Air Force didn't have one, so I had to make it up. It's jacuzzi because they're always getting picked on because their bases are nicer and their food's better. And <laughs> but we, we always hear the camaraderie side. Yeah. Yes, and they always tease each other. So right. i got to get in there on it too. But we <laughs> love and appreciate all branches of our military, no matter what your uh, rating was, no matter what your rank was. Uh, whether you're enlisted or officer, everybody plays a part to defend us and our freedoms. Understood. Understood. So now I have one final question for you. Yes, ma'am. I love asking this question because one, it helps me always feel that I am trying and striving to be a better person every day. I make my mistakes. I say things I shouldn't mm-hmm. say. I have to go, okay, let me pull that tennis shoe out of my mouth, <laughs> put that whole arm out of my mouth. But I always want to find a way to not only be a better person, but to understand other people so that when I come across them, they're not going to tell me their whole entire life story. But if I have a a small window of observation, then I could talk to them in a more comforting way, a more respectful way, because trust seems to be a hard thing to find with people. Mm -hmm. And trust is the first thing that someone will be. You shared it already with a gentleman saying, you don't understand about, and you're like, but I do. Again, one of those moments, right? So my question to you is what message would you like to leave our listeners based on your journey? Well, I would hope that our listeners would be encouraged that they would um, look at Mark, look at the loss that we've been through. And um, whether you're, what you're facing is grief, you know, where it's a loss of a loved one, whether it's the loss of a job, whether it's not enough money, if it's financial issues, if it's relationship issues, whatever. I hope that you would look at that and say, just like I had no choice, the news that was given to me, that you would choose to respond, as Mark said, pass on the kindness, the love, 
the precious gift of human life, but that you would realize that you can be an overcomer. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I hear sometimes, oh, I'm a survivor. And to me, the survivor, I remember this poster when I was a kid, and it was a cat hanging on a clothesline. And his chin's just barely up there and his paws are hanging on there. And he's got this perplexed look like, help. And it's like, I'm a survivor. Well, to me, I don't want to be just barely hanging on. I want to be a thriver. I want to make a difference in spite of the pain or, like I said, because of the pain. But that's a choice. Mm -hmm. And everybody can make that choice, not from feelings. Because in the beginning of stages of grief, I was in so much pain and so much hurt, as I know you were as well. Um, we didn't feel like, you know, being happy or positive or exercising or eating healthy or, you know, not everybody's called to start a foundation, but I was, I didn't feel like it. I chose to do that with my will, um, with courage, you know, because that's, you know, facing the danger. And even though it wasn't a physical danger, it was an emotional, deep emotional danger, um, chose to make a difference. And I think of Mark's final words when he said on me Mm. and he was saying, I got the lead on this. You guys follow me. And so we can choose in the midst of our pain in the midst of our suffering in the midst of our tragedy to be leaders. We can choose how we respond to that. Um, And we can be that example for others. And so I hope others were encouraged today to say, I can do this. I don't have to give up. I don't need, this doesn't have to overcome me. I can overcome it and uh, be encouraged and just make a difference in your part of the world, whether it's in your home, in your community, in your city, in your state. We're all called at different levels to do what we do, but we should all be doing something. Absolutely agree with you. That was an amazing message. That was actually your message and Mark's message. I love the combination. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Debbie, for being my guest today and sharing the legacy of Mark. You bet. Thank you for having me. Yes. To my listeners, thank you for listening in on yet again, another amazing story, personally and professionally, because it was an individual. We will say his name, Mark Allen Lee. And the organization, again, is America's Mighty Warriors, which was founded because mom said, I'm going to help however I can and continue on with what her son was doing when he was on that battlefield in Iraq. If you have a story you want to share, know someone who has the story, or you have an organization making a difference in your community, please email me to the address of stories at christinehotchkiss.com or visit my website and find out what I'm all about. You just never know. You can connect with someone just by hearing a little bit about what they're doing and what their mission is and what they're trying to do to make a difference in this world, like Debbie talked about. Again, ChristineHotchkiss.com. Until next time, everyone, I wish you well and you take care.